This is the Shift Podcast. On the Shift Daily Podcast, Stephen Rossiter, our buddy from HighlandTitles.com, joins us from Scotland to talk about the UK vaccine rollout. We actually compare some numbers between Canada and the UK. It's staggering the difference of how many people have received vaccines. On Are You Okay on the podcast, is your butter being harder than usual? You'll find out a whole conversation around butter on the podcast. Tech expert Handy Andy Barrar joins us to talk about Facebook and Australia and the news. In case you missed it, sexy saxophones at South Park. Download the podcast, share it with your friends, like it and pass it on. Stephen Rossiter joins us. Uh, Stephen is a friend of the show who we met last year. Uh, Stephen is from London in Scotland uh, with Highland Titles, highlandtitles.com. Um, they have their um, a nature reserve there where you can buy. You can become a lord and a laird. That's how we met originally met Stephen. But uh, our conversation today is about... Um, is about what's going on with COVID. What, what's the update from our friends across the pond for sure? Stephen, how are you? I'm doing well, thanks, uh, Shane. Just to correct you, I'm uh, I'm actually uh, from London and now living in Scotland. So London isn't in Scotland. Just in oh, case you I, suddenly start getting loads that? of uh, loads of tweets yeah. saying, "What do you mean?" I might London have said that Scotland? backwards. Yeah, no, it's, it's true. It's cool. Um, so with things in, they're starting to talk about, uh, there's a couple of topics that I wanted to bring your way, Stephen, because I know that you sure. like to talk about this stuff too. Is One is, uh, let's start with vaccinations first. Uh, in the UK, okay. there's been a quite a staggering number of vaccinations comparatively to Canada. Um, how's that right. going for you guys? Okay, so we're doing we're doing really well on the vaccines. We're now at just shy of 18 million. So the United Kingdom has a population of 66 million, and we're now 18 million. So all of our uh, under uh, over 70s, uh, I believe, or the majority, have now been vaccinated. Those who want it, obviously, it's not forced on people. So those who have wanted the vac- the vaccine, and if they are over 70, have now been done. And I don't know whether you know. So Boris yesterday. Uh, put quite a um, a tough target on them. Uh, the plan is to vaccinate all the adult population should be vaccinated by the end of July. That's the target mm. now that uh, that we have, which is uh, which is great. And um, also um, yesterday we had the sort of pathway to freedom, and Freedom Day has been set as the twenty first of June. So. Uh, there's um uh, there's obviously there's people who think it's too quick and there's mm-hmm. people like me who think it's a little bit too slow i think okay. you know the most vulnerable have now been vaccinated and we should be really looking towards getting the economy because it's no it's very serious in the fact that the united kingdom has the worst um uh, economy downturn in, in the whole of the, the the western world as far as i am um as far as I understand. Yeah. Well, here, let me throw some numbers at you of some perspective, Stephen, because uh, so you said about 18 million right now. And um, so yeah. in Canada, the total population of Canada is uh, is about 38 million. So we're, you know, just about a little over half the size when it comes to population. And so imagine this number. This is what we're going through in Canada. So you're at 18 million vaccinated. Canada has 1.5 million people vaccinated. If wow. If we were at your numbers we would have more than half the population vaccinated. The original date that our government gave us to have half the population vaccinated was the end of September. 
for us to get halfway. And you guys are wow. there almost, uh, almost now for our population number. So that's a staggering, staggering difference. Now we've been, uh, there's been some political stuff, nasty, crazy going on, uh, here in, in Canada as well. So, but reopening, what, what is the June reopen? Is that basically like, Hey, we're here. Let's celebrate it. Uh, back to life, back to reality kind of day. What, what, there's, what they're, they're suggesting is that from the 21st of June, we will be free, as free as we can be. I think mask wearing might still be uh, in place. But I think what they're saying is social distancing would be pretty much a thing of the past. Uh, we'd be able to hug uh, people. Um, and we might even be going to go and watch the odd football stroke soccer match. So right. yeah. Back to the pub. Are yeah. pubs open for you guys now? Back to the pub. pub. No, pubs aren't open. They're looking at pubs that have outdoor facilities. I mean, the, the hospitality industry has been hit so hard with this. I feel so sorry uh, for them. And uh, I'm not sure I agree really with what the, the government are doing. So the, the plan is um, from the middle of April to have pubs open that can serve outdoors. And then from the middle of May, they would allow indoor pubs. So they're very much focusing on the fact that the virus doesn't spread so easily outdoors so all well, the sort of outdoors in, outdoor sports yeah it's going to be done well some of the uh, some of the pubs like some of the things in england as best i understand it in england in the uk i should say are, are notably smaller than here um you know here we get these giant like department store sized pubs you know, sure. and so there's yeah. different technology, different buildings. The ventilation in, in some of these buildings is substantially newer. I mean, some of these buildings that pubs are in that you guys have, I mean, you know, a new one might be 50 years old. No, you're right. You're right. It, it's, it's true. I mean, it's very difficult in a pub inside to stay socially distanced, you know, and, and you might argue that the reason that, you know, we have such a, a high infectious rate and, and possibly such a high death rate is the fact that we didn't shut down everything so early but you know in in, in my opinion and I, i've got to say you know i i think i think the world certainly the united kingdom is split really 50 50 on this you know it's another brexit type thing you know for every person you meet who thinks you know we should be shut down until covid has disappeared completely you know you meet another person who says this is ridiculous we need to be opening up we need to be boosting the economy and we need to be going forward so it's um you know, I think, you know, the government have not got it easy. And it is a shame when we have the political side here because we have the devolved nations. So you have Scotland and you have Wales who, um, you know, if the government says one thing, be, be sure they'll try and do something different. And to me, that's not helpful. You know, we should be talking as one United Kingdom and not as devolved nations. I don't know if that works the same way with the states. I'm sure it does with the United States, but I'm going to in Canada where you have the different states yeah. and all the different states have different rules. Yeah, we have provinces in Canada and they are, um, you know, the health, the irony in Canada is that each individual province manages healthcare, right? So it is a, sure. when you go yeah, from province to province, is, yeah. yeah, and so you deal with each local, uh, province as your healthcare. And in fact, even if you're in another province and you have an accident, um, it really is, um, it can be complicated depending on where you go. Now, it's, you still get the same service and you really do get helped out, but it's not just, you know, mail it in the same. Down in America, it's completely different in regards to who does what and oh my God. But at the same time, they have way more rollout than we do here in Canada. 
There's no denying that. And um, sure. it's it's uh, it's really sad. And, and I think there's an awful lot of people now that have reserved themselves to your point about agreeing or disagreeing. I think there's a lot of people that have reserved themselves, uh, like myself, for example. I can't. Uh, we have Costco warehouse stores here, very popular in North America. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and yeah. Yeah. And so the um, so. You know, you can go to a Costco store with your family and go grocery shopping, but my son's hockey team in a giant hockey arena uh, is allowed to have 10 people on the ice and nobody in the stands to watch. And so th- th- those kinds of conversations, that people re- sort of reserve themselves to look. I'm willing to participate in this if it means it gets finished faster, at least reopened faster. But some of these decisions just don't add up. And I think people are okay no, with that. Exactly I think people exactly. are okay with to say that, right? You know, to say that th- yeah. some of this stuff just doesn't make sense. It just doesn't make. It doesn't. A lot of a lot of the stuff doesn't make sense. You know, um, you know, p- people can people are meeting their families in supermarkets because that's the only place you're allowed to meet them. You know, you, you know, yeah. and 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 not being allowed. You know, making it illegal to leave your home just is not right, in my opinion. No matter what. Well, it seems doing. isn't that, isn't that crazy? Just, but at the same time, we as citizens right. need to do a better job with it, right? I mean, so many people were flippantly on the other side of it. Here in my province in Alberta, there was a time where you couldn't have your grandmother over for uh, a coffee or a tea, but you could go see her at bingo if you wanted to. <laughs> yeah. So how crazy is that? I know. No. I mean, hey, you're I... right. You've got, you've got the then people that, that have the parties with 30 or 40 people that blatantly break the rules, and that's wrong. You know, but there has to be a balance where we can get the economy going and we can fight this virus. And we have to learn to live with the virus. That's going to be the thing. There's no way that we're going to get zero COVID in the world. No way at all. No. So we really do have to learn to live with it. And hopefully all the governments around the world will sort themselves out and we'll get there. Stephen Rossiter joins us from Scotland. Uh, I had a question about the Royals for you since you're over there. I mean, it seems very cliche of yeah. me to ask you, but I might as well ask because yeah. we've got Prince Philip uh, in his uh, current hospital predicament, but then we've got we um, Harry and Meghan going on Oprah, but then now we've heard stories yeah. that um, uh, Kate and William are doing some sort of counter-marketing with other shows around the same time and day. What is the real experience in the UK about all this? <laughs> Well, again, you know, you've got the royalists and you've got the people. I mean, I'm really disappointed in, in I'm a bit of a royalist, I think. And I, I'm very disappointed in Harry uh, and what he's done. I mean, he's pretty much disowned the royal family. Um, and, you know, you can't, you, you can't sort of blame the media one point and then, you know, start releasing pictures and stuff and letting the world see. You know, I, I'm just, I, I, I don't have a... I'm just not happy with the way that's happening. Taking, I didn't hear the William thing is new to me actually, so I'm not sure about that. But certainly, um, we're concerned about Prince Philip, but he is 99. You know, he's in hospital. Um, Prince Charles went to see him day before yesterday. I think Prince William has been to see him, but I'm not sure. So, you know, uh, and people were uproar about that, you know, but actually, you can go and visit somebody in hospital. You know, uh, it is down to the hospital. It's not against the law to visit someone in hospital. But, you know, providing the hospital are okay with you going, you can go. There are some hospitals that aren't allowing visitors, but obviously he's in a private hospital. He's in the, and um, uh, his son went to see him. And I think if my father was ill in hospital, I would drive no matter how many miles to go and see him. Um, so I, I have no, no problems with that. But I do have a problem with Harry going on Oprah. 
I don't think that's the right thing to do. I think it is just rubbing um, the royal family's nose in it, and uh, he should uh, he should know better, really. What is uh, what's the deal with the paparazzi and, and the journalists in the UK? Because the royals get beat up so incredibly bad. I mean, I get the celebrity of it. It's really the the classic original celebrity. It would be anything royal. So, but why do they get beat yeah. up so bad in general? Is that are those the the sort of the detractors that are done with the the, the monarchy notion? I, well, they, apparently they sell newspapers or they sell magazines. You know, pictures of the royal family, um, and if you can catch them doing something a bit naughty, even even better. Um, apparently they sell they sell pictures. They don't make me buy uh, any extra magazines, but we have a a hunger for, for news about the royals and so long as that continues the paparazzi will make pictures will 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 hound them and take photos i mean that is allegedly what what killed his mother and so i can see why he would have anger against uh the paparazzi um but but then to sort of use it to your financial gain i don't think is right um which is what he's doing you know with oprah mm. Um, and obviously, you know, Meghan is a, as a big, they're, they're pals. So Oprah's not going to be asking any awkward questions. Uh, all mm. the questions will be agreed. Uh, and, um, you know, she's not going to, so it's not like, say, Piers Morgan got his, uh, right. had, had a go at uh, interviewing them. You know, he's yeah. not gonna, there's, there's not going to be life stories with, uh, with, <laughs> with Piers, that's for sure. So, yeah. um, he's good. You know, they're picking and choosing who they who does the interview. I, I for one, won't won't be watching it, but I'm yeah. sure a lot of people will. Can I ask you about a conspiracy theory then? Um, James Hewitt, which yeah, I'm a, I'm a Hewitt. So uh, Prince Charles or James Hewitt? Who's Harry's dad? Oh my goodness, that is. Uh, uh, <laughs> I um, I don't know. You have to look at look look at who he looks like the most. He looks like your James Hewitt, right? Oh, right. Well, you said that. Yeah. So, yeah. So I'll say that. So, okay. So my dad's name is James Hewitt. Uh, Shane Hewitt is a derivation of James Hewitt. And my dad's dad was James Hewitt. So there's a lot of James Hewitt's in this family, right? So we've watched that storyline close. If you Google side-by-sides between James Hewitt and Prince Harry, you're going to answer your question about who you think it is, uh, hands down. You are. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you are. Yeah. Uh, Speaking but, of scandals, uh, the one thing is, there's no doubt who his mother is. So uh, there's never a doubt yeah. about it, is there? So mm-hmm. yeah, uh, yeah. I, I like it. it. Um, yeah, I like the conspiracy theories. Isn't it fun though? I um, I think it's really great. I've watched The Crown. I realize it's drama. It's not real life, but boy, oh boy, they did a good job with that show. Um, yeah, they and, did. Uh, I just. Yeah. I can't imagine it going the other way. Like I, can't, I guess maybe it's meeting the keeping up with the Kardashians. That's what the folks in UK would watch for American royalty on TV. I don't know how that works. I, I, well, I, I mean, I know that the Americans love royalty, and I mean, the one thing, the, the reason that Highland Titles does so well in America is that people, you know, they they want that title, they want the lord, they want the lady. That the, the matter that it's a little bit of fun, the fact that they can go to their neighbours and say, "Oh, you know, when I got a bit of land in Scotland and I'm a lord," they love the connection that it that it's yeah. towards it, and that's why uh, I think that's why we do so well in the sort of North American continents. Same in Canada, you know, we have a very good following in Canada now as well which is terrific. Yeah. And, well, we uh, had a, a bunch of listeners reach out after Christmas and say they had done it, and some of them said thank you. So um, this is because of Stephen, that oh, conversation wonderful. that we had. So they had reached That's out, great. and they Welcome. did it too. Welcome yeah, to it's the great. 
Lovely. Yeah, welcome to the clinic. We hope they can come to Scotland very soon. We really do. We want we want visitors back. Do you know, in 2019, we had 10,000 visitors to the nature reserve. And last year, we barely touched 2,000. You know, wow. so 10,000 visitors in 2019 and nearly, not nowhere near sort of 2,000, I think it's about 1,500 in 2020. It, and they were all up to the beginning of March. It's been so quiet on the nature reserve. But the animals are still there. You know, we're still planting the trees. We're still doing all the work to do the preservation. So, you know, that work continues. And hopefully when everyone can come back, we'll see a big difference to what we've been doing. Uh, it is Lord Stephen Rossiter, Lord of Glencoe, technically, uh, here with Lord Shane Hewitt, Lord of, uh, Lord of Glencoe, and Lord Matthew MacArthur, uh, Lord of Glencoe. And uh, our, our show producer is just Ryan O'Donnell, who... Uh, oh, he's well. not a lord yet. Nice. I do. I do. You gotta earn that status. Uh, Stephen Rossiter, thank you, sir, for sharing some time with us. It is your good morning, so we wish you good morning. Thanks for being here. It's great to see you again. Good morning to you. Thank you for having me back on. Really enjoyed it. Awesome. We'll talk to you again soon. Stephen Rossiter with HighlandTitles.com is his company that he works with, and he is here on the shift hanging out with us, giving us our temperature check over in the UK of what is happening. This is the Shift Podcast. Butter or margarine? Where do you land? I know. It's a strange one. It's going to make sense, though, shortly. First, though, uh, speaking of uh, his butter stick, let's check on Maddie's moon dial. The heck does that mean? Let me check on know. it. Hey, Moon Dial. Hey. hey, hey, what's happening? Hey, did you get? Did you call Jason? Did you wish him a happy birthday? Nice. What did he say? Out of time. What did you say? I know. I know. Uh, yeah, we are ready. <laughs> we have a pet. <laughs> a pet. That's a good it's way to put it. Yeah. Right. It's a pet. It's the pet Moon Dial. All right. Are you okay? Are you okay with garbage trucks? Definitely. Um, you know, absolutely just warriors of public service. You know, yes. they, you know, I think they deserve a lot more respect than they than they normally get. Um, a lot more recognition maybe for their service. Um, you know, without them, we'd just be covered in our own filth. The and a whole lot of truck, it. The garbage truck driver. Uh, it has changed because in, in in back in the old back in the old days, you used to know the garbage man. It was always the same garbage man. And today, with efficiency and scheduling, it's not always the same garbage man. And so that's one thing that I do miss. One of the best lessons I ever learned from my father was my dad used to watch the clock on garbage day on a hot sunny day in the summertime. And he used to run out and he would hide a couple of beers between the bags, cold beers. So when the fellas came along in the truck and they jumped down to grab the cans, they would see the cold beers there waiting for them. They'd pop the top off and give you a salute cheers as they rolled away. Um, and I, that taught me an awful lot about, you know, taking care of the people, you know, who do the good jobs that help you out every day. So I learned a lot from the, my dad's story around how important the garbage man is. So I'm all in for garbage trucks and garbage folks. Yeah. I like this. All right. A Florida boy is lucky. His local garbage collector had an Eagle eye. The boy was hiding inside of a trash can. Oh no. When it was picked up for collection and nearly shredded seven year old Elias Kazada 
told WFLA. He was curious to see what it would be like to be inside of a garbage bin. Nope. The truck's arm had picked up the can with Elias still inside and dumped it into the back. Were you scared? Yes. I felt like I was going to be a mashed potato. The only reason why Elias was not killed is because the driver, Waldo Fidel, checked his surveillance camera in the cab and with lightning speed hit the stop button to stop a deadly blade. He saved a life. What do you think? I think Waldo's a hero. He's still a little shaken. The bad day for me. But their reunion a little while ago was nothing but smiles. It seems like Elias has learned his lesson. Well, maybe. Unless it's like a tiny cat trash can that's inside the house, then it might be fine. But never again in one like this. Aw, that kid's what amazing. A cool story. Yes. Like, it's like he was saying to the reporter, are you dumb? Of course I was scared. <laughs> yeah, what kind a of mashed question potato. is that? Do you put a butter? Mashed potato. Ooh, on butter your mashed, on mashed potatoes? Potato. Yeah. Mm. Um, I've always wondered about that, right? Like homeless people in the bins. I know that there must be some sort of scanner on my organics bin. Somebody walked by my organics bin and threw in meat, but it was still in the styrofoam, like fresh from the store. I think somebody had dropped their groceries outside or whatever, and they draw, they threw it in my organics bin. Well, they they flagged it, so they drive away up with the arm, and they grabs the thing, and then they flagged it, didn't lift it, and they wrote on their styrofoam inside. There's no way they would have known it was in there if it doesn't scan or something. It must be something oh. smart. Um, so then they left my, and I was like, cotton-picking neighbor with the styrofoam in my can. Anyway, so uh, I've always wondered with the big bins and homeless folks sleeping in them, and, uh, you know, to get out of the weather. And in this case, with the little boy, like watching that camera before you hit the squish button. I don't know if I'd want to live with that in that job. It's not like the old days where they used to grab the can. And sometimes some of the places are still like that. Actually, our garbage collection here in Airdrie is like that. It's they pick up the can and toss it in. It's not high-tech bins. Uh, the recycling is and the organics is. I couldn't live with that, man, as a garbage man. I do like that guy uh, who picked up who's the garbage uh, driver. Do you think he's ever really going to ever take his eyes off that camera again? Oh, never. He He's going to focus on that camera more than the road. <laughs> like, yeah, that's just I, I can't even imagine what was going through his mind. But thank God there's a giant big don't shred button and he hit it. Uh, yeah. I just I'm wondering what this kid's next. Uh, I'm curious what this will be like task is. Maybe he'll hide in underneath a sink or yeah. an attic or something weird like that. A, probably Compost bin. like a garbage can. Man, oh, man. Uh, can Garbage trucks good. Backup alarms need to be eradicated, Jimmy and Coquitlam. You know who to disagree with that? Someone who's been run over by a backing up car, I'm sure. Uh, thank you for your text message. Steve says they have six wheels and flies. It's very true. <laughs> It's very, very true. 877-399-9898. The question we've been asking since the beginning of the program, if you have just joined us, is butter or margarine, which way do you go? Now, before we get to that one, let's bring on Derek into this conversation. Now, Derek, before we explain even why we're talking about this, so you don't even know why we're talking about this, um, help me understand the different kinds of butter that you wanted to share. Okay, so if we're going to talk about butter, we need to talk about unsalted versus salted. 
we also need to talk about uh, churned butter versus factory butter. Okay. Um, within churned butter, we also need to talk about English-style churned butter versus American churned butter. Okay. Wouldn't they just churn it at the factory? Or is that the point? Well, the uh, the thing is, factory butter isn't actually churned. Okay. What is it? Um, it's basically mixed. Oh, okay. Okay. Interesting. Okay, salted or unsalted, which way do you go, Derek? Uh, well, uh, for baking, I go unsalted. Mm-hmm. For pretty much anything else, I go salted. Okay, churned or factory, which way do you go? Uh, I go churned, and I would go English-style churned. So what is English-style churned? Uh, English-style is, uh, English is typically a double-churned butter, um, and it's typically a, a, got a creamier consistency, and uh, it's also got a, uh, a higher smoking point. So when you're cooking with it, uh, it'll, it'll, it won't smoke until the higher temperatures. Wow. Okay. And okay. I just learned a lot about butter, Derek. I had no, I like no idea. Huh? Yeah. There's a, there's a heck of a lot out there, uh, for butter that, uh, different companies will add different amounts of salt to their butter as well. Uh-huh. Um, huh. and, uh, so for, for popcorn, for example, uh, for air pop popcorn, you would want to use salted butter. Yeah. For microwave popcorn, they already add a buttload of salt to the popcorn, so you want to use an unsalted butter. Unless you're a saltaholic like me and use salted butter and then you salt it more, which is a heart attack waiting to happen, but still yummy. Um, exactly. Derek, thank you. Thank you for the phone call, brother. Appreciate the insight. And just a shout out to Jason. Happy birthday, man. Hope you All have right. a good day. Sunshine Sparkle Pants, there it is from Derek. Derek at Edmonton, 877-399-9898. Now, with all of that churn English butter, I'm learning here on the shift. Holy cow. Let's get the clip. Let's see here. Caramel, waffle batter, liquid smoke. Ooh, waffle runoff. Are you okay with butter? Are you okay with butter? I love butter. I think butter is fantastic. Yeah, I mean, you're not going to find many folks. Like, if you don't like butter, it only means you're either, well, there's two two things. Either you like it too much and you're trying not to eat it, Mm -hmm. or you're vegetarian slash vegan yeah um okay fair enough ryan butter margarine which way do you go uh i mean mostly my life has been filled with a lot of margarine but that's just because it's just easier to spread but butter is far superior i like cooking with butter my favorite job or part of my job when i worked at a waffle house was being the guy who threw the butter in the microwave and got it all melted, and then you carry it and smell it, and it smelled so good. Well, there's something about hot melted, oh, hot melted butter. Oh. Right? Hmm. And just squirting it on the waffle and just seeing the flavor come out. Ooh, I'm hungry now. <laughs> yeah. 
You lost me at squirt. We're all hungry. Um, So, okay, here's the story about the butter. Canadians are upset. And to uh, read Ryan's uh, creative writing, which I must um, do to acknowledge him, there is an utterly weird story gripping Canadians right now. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'll be here all week. There's an utterly weird story uh, that is gripping Canadians. Gripping. In case you missed it. The udders. Udders gripping. To get the milk. I didn't even intend for the double pun. I just realized that. You, you didn't? Not for the gripping? <laughs> no, I wow. didn't. The, the utter one, but the gripping, I didn't even think of that. Magic. Nice. Yeah. Cold hands. People are complaining that their butter is harder than normal. Something... Um, that most people would never complain about, but people are complaining that their butter is harder than normal. Some researchers say palm oil in feed is possibly the cause in Canada. So imagine this. David Christensen, an emeritus professor at the University of Saskatchewan, told CTV that palmitic acid in feed has been proven to increase milk fat yields considerably. Okay. There is currently no research proving this makes butter harder, but Dairy Farmers of Canada is researching various components of the issue. So, is have you found that your butter is harder than normal? This is the this is the deep deep rooted investigative research that we do here on the shift. And your text messages are yielding amazing responses about butter. First of all, Marjorie, Ryan has a theory that it's so convenient that's the only reason why people use it. Yeah, that's uh, it's just easier, right? It it tastes similar, not as good, but because it's so easy to spread and you kind of don't have to think about it as much, you settle for the taste being meh. But really, just meh. leave your butter on the oh. counter. Let it naturally, you know, it'll, it'll be fine. Just do that, and then it'll taste better. Okay. Stuart says, I agree with Derek about his churned English butter. Sounds like a job in itself. He also says that that goes the same for British cheese. Stay away from Canadian cheese. Stuart from Edmonton. Trucker Kevin says, butter, yes. Have you ever tried deep-fried battered butter at the Calgary Stampede? Speaking of having a jammer, geez. Um, I want deep fried butter sticks. Does that get any more artery clogging? But it, that wouldn't taste good. I can't imagine. It would actually probably taste incredible. But yeah, you, but you could only have it once a year or maybe once every five years. Or once before you die. <laughs> yeah. Let's well, go with that. Um, once before you hit the electric chair. Trucker Dan says, butter, 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 butter. I have no room in my life for margarine. I can't deal with that type of negativity. (laughs) It's the Shift Podcast. Andy Barrar. I'd like to welcome uh, him to the show. What's up there, Skippy? How you doing, Shane? Good. I'm going to speak to two things. Number one, I would like to speak to the fact that when the show started... We forgot to, uh, I forgot to turn on my coffee, and so I turned on my coffee pot uh, live on the radio with your help, so thank you for that. Oh, that's awesome. I'm glad, I'm glad you can do that. 
And the irony is, on the other end of the spectrum, Andy was on our Zoom call. He was connected through our broadband connection, and then his internet went down. His internet went down, and now he's on the phone. So we're kicking yeah. it old school here with uh, with Andy Andy Brar, and I call him Skippy because uh, he's a skipper. How, how's things, Andy? What's going on? Uh, things have been good. Uh, yeah, I'm still jumping rope every every day. I'm getting stronger. That uh, so that rope that I broke. Remember we were talking about it, and I was yeah. wondering if it's going to be covered under warranty. Yeah, you uh, had a rope. A hundred dollar rope. I bought a hundred dollar jump rope, and after three months, it broke. And so they don't typically put warranty on the rope, but because it broke at the handle, um, they they refund. They're gonna give me a refund and and send me a new one. So. I've been actually using a heavier rope. It's like a half-pound rope, and it's been killing my arms every day. But I've been getting so much stronger. So when this other rope comes back, I'm going to be a jump rope ninja. I can't wait. Nice. Or an MMA fighter. Could go either way. Or or just become a boxer. You know, everyone thinks I'm a boxer because I can jump rope like one now. Um, So uh, you never know what's going to happen in the future. I might... I don't know if it's a comeback because I was never there before. So I'll start boxing in my 40s. Well, you know, here's the thing. Let's be honest, Andy. You're way too pretty to be a boxer, buddy. I don't know. We'll see if my chin can can handle it. They said you need a good chin in boxing. (laughs) Yeah, Handy Andy Barrar, uh, Handy Andy Media, uh, all kinds of different pieces of technology to do it yourself, to understanding some of the implications of technology. Where are we going today, Andy? Well, I don't know, Shane. Have you been uh, following this little uh, feud between Facebook and what's going on in Australia? Well, everybody, and we have new news too in the last half hour. So let's start at the beginning, um, and and and, f- and get the storyline of what was going on. Where do we start? So last week, the Australian government was trying to pass legislation that would essentially require Facebook to pay for the news content that they post on Facebook, and this is really to help out the Australian media because. As we know, um, the media industry across the globe has been taking a hit, especially during COVID as ad revenues have going down. But here's the thing. Facebook has been using news content on their platform and then getting all these eyeballs on Facebook and then selling that to advertisers. So essentially what the Australian government is saying is you need to compensate the news publishers, these content providers in Australia And Facebook was like, no, we're not going to do that. And at one point, Facebook stopped all news, uh, Australian news, from being featured for Australians during the pandemic, Shane. They thought that would be a good idea. And uh, that turned out to backfire on them. And it looks like they, they made some type of deal just hours ago. So Google was in the same predicament, uh, in a way, because Google was framing the news content inside a Google frame. So it wasn't even really the news channels link that you would copy. It was a Google link. So they would keep you in the Google orbit as well. They did do a deal. I think it goes to show when it comes to Facebook, how many people are still using Facebook for all of their information every day. And frankly, that explains a lot, doesn't it? Well, that's exactly what it is. And and Facebook understands that. They know our user behavior. They know for each Facebook user, everyone listening right now, Facebook knows how many times you open up the Facebook app. They know how, how uh, you know, the average time that you spend on there per day. And if things deviate, if suddenly you're not checking Facebook very often, they'll start sending push notifications to kind of nudge you back in. So they're very, very good and adept 
at getting us to look at the newsfeed and spend time. And because of that, because of those eyeballs, they can then sell that to advertisers. But a lot of people are getting their news on Facebook, and, and that's shifting the way that people are consuming content. And what Australian government really had to jump in to help the media industry in Australia, telling Facebook, listen, you need to start you know, paying your fair share for this content. Um, otherwise, uh, we're, you know, we're just going to have to run these laws, and you won't be able to do that. And Facebook thought it would be a good idea to try to play hardball with the Australian government but what you're starting to see is the European Union and other governments looking closely at what's going on in Australia because it's going to follow. And Canada, I can tell you, Shane, is looking closely at what's happening in Australia because they're going to be making a deal with Facebook uh, in the near future. It's only a matter of time. Yeah, there was some politicians who were talking about, you know, aligning with Australians and showing solidarity with Australians when the irony is um, maybe show some solidarity with Canadian industry. That would be uh, a good way to go politically. So what do we see here for the future, Andy? Because what we have is we have people like to share articles. Hey, I found this cool story, and they post it from their local paper or from a national paper or TV channel, and they share that on their Facebook because it's about their cousin or it's interesting or whatever. And so that's a thing. The sharing thing is real. It does perpetuate the link. Uh, of of the broadcasters now of course inside that facebook's making money facebook pays for zero content right zero and the billions of dollars it's bringing in so i mean how how does this get resolved really is 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 this really going to be a thing where if i go paste a link on facebook and facebook lets that get shared that facebook's going to pay or is it really just going to you know write another algorithm that's going to limit stuff that's not worth it for them and then you get censorship on news well, provided that they are making these deals, like the one that they just made in Australia, I think what's going to happen is they're going to make these content licensing deals with different types of publishers. And from that, when there are ads that were you know, viewed during the time that content was, was seen on Facebook, they're going to basically start sharing the, the, the profits and giving, giving a cut to these publishers. And I think that they deserve that. One argument has always been, well, you know, for the publishers, you're getting a lot of eyeballs on your content on Facebook. But that really negates the whole purpose of it. And you have to have a business model that works. And Facebook has really done a fantastic job at avoiding regulation. And it really had to take government intervention because what you're seeing with these big tech companies, you know, these global companies, is they're just kind of doing whatever they want. And, and they work any kind of regulation and what they showed and what Australia showed is that government intervention can help. And if Facebook tries to play hardball, then the government just have to kind of get together and try to, you know, um, negotiate with Facebook as one, because this, this is going to happen now across the globe. Facebook is going to have to make these licensing deals because they just had it too good for way too long. And like you said, they weren't creating content. They were just kind of creating the platform and making a whole lot of money on this other content that other people, especially journalists, were creating. Yeah, and if you take that to any other industry, and I'll use music as an example, if you use music and you make money, therefore you pay. If you walk into a restaurant, which was the business that I, one of my businesses that I was in uh, recently, is that you walked, would walk into restaurants all across Canada and there would be music playing in that restaurant. That restaurant would subscribe to a licensed vendor 
who pays royalties to the artist, well, the music bodies that control the artists. And so in Canada, there's four of them, right? So they, that would be divided up between the, the, the music producers and the singer-songwriters and um, all of these different groups, that, and the record labels being another one, all getting their cut of this money. The reason why is simple is that people might come to your pub because they think you play great music and you serve great beer. So how does that work? Well, it means you're playing the music, you're making a profit, therefore you pay for the music. It's not free. You're not allowed. It's not, and you hear it everywhere, it's not legal to run um, you know, your Stingray cable music without paying fees on what that is. Now, if you translate that from music to any other industry, that makes sense. You're using my product to make a profit, therefore you pay for it. But yet it hasn't been happening here. Is this a similar of, uh, forgive, ask for forgiveness, not permission? Um, that model yeah. that we're seeing, we're seeing it everywhere, including in privacy with the, some of the between apps conversation. Well, absolutely. You know, you're seeing that, that, that same model should apply to news. But what's really interesting is, as the public, we're just so used to getting the news for free. And then you've seen these, these paywalls, like what the New York Times is trying to do and trying to convince people to, to have subscriptions. And that's one different type of model that you could do. But at the end of the day, if you look at how many people open up their Facebook newsfeed, that's typically, and we've seen this with U.S. presidential elections, that is where people get their news. And you have to understand that that. That newsfeed is based on an algorithm that Facebook knows. So there's a lot of control that Facebook has on what content is seen and when. And, and they're really doing this to make money. You know, they tried to say, we're out here to connect the world. Facebook is an advertising company. That, that is basically what they are. And, and they just have this whole mandate about getting us to spend more and more time on Facebook. If you spend 10 minutes on Facebook a day, Facebook wants you to spend 15 minutes and then more and more. That's, that's really how the entire platform was designed. And it wasn't fair to these publishers. And only now I think they will finally get a cut. But the question remains is what's going to happen? If I, was, if I was in charge of Facebook, shame, I would say, hey, listen, there's a bit, good opportunity for us to save local news. Let's try to, to cater to these small markets and to help push that news. That would be a smart move on Facebook, but they haven't done that. But hopefully they will see that, that opportunity and take advantage of it and try to help out local news um, organizations. It's frustrating. Um, by the way, if you were running Facebook, I would be living in your pool house and swimming in your pool. So <laughs> let's just throw that out there too because you'd be so loaded. Um, well, I, but, I would love to, to, to make some changes, you know, it's such a powerful tool, but I feel like Mark Zuckerberg, you know, I would love to have a beer with that guy. I have a, a couple of things I would like to tell him, um, you know, in private, but he has an opportunity to change the world, but it, it just doesn't seem like he's, he's just more about the shareholders and he does have a fiduciary responsibility for his shareholders, but uh, Facebook, you know, trying to block news to Australians during a pandemic who thought that was a good idea, Shane? Well, there would certainly be an ethical conversation around that about, you know, I mean, people can go get the news. You can go Google it. You can go to the news websites. That's what they're doing is not to be forgotten is that they're sharing, uh, you know, other websites stuff. But it does go to speak to the laziness of the humans around this conversation. And it, there was a time where it seemed like when you were checking in on Facebook and you were doing all these different sort of 
things all the time that people went to Facebook first, or that's what Facebook was trying to do before going to the internet, that Facebook was going to become its own little orbit where you could find out anything you wanted to find out. You could buy a pair of shoes. You could find out what time your hair salon closed. You could read news articles and you never had to leave Facebook to do that. Now it doesn't seem like they've really succeeded in that, but this would be a good example and a reminder of how deep their tentacles go. Uh, absolutely. And, you know, like the, the question is, you, you, Facebook is almost too big to fail. Like people are just so ingrained at checking Facebook for, for just about everything. You know, I'd, be, I'd love to know on average how many Canadians open up the Facebook app on their smartphones every day. That would be an amazing stat because they have a lot of power because we're just creatures of habit. We just do it without even thinking about it. And Facebook knows that, and they're making a lot of money. We're like, we're like little mice, you know, in this little lab experiment, and they're just tweaking little algorithms and watching us, you know, hey, look, we got them to do this. Just like that uh, movie, The Social Dilemma, I thought they did a great job explaining how big tech really controls our lives. And we don't even know about it, Shane, because it's all happening in the background, and we just don't, we're not really cognizant of what these big tech companies are doing, especially with our smartphones and push notifications to distract us and to get us into their platforms. Uh, handy Andy Barrar, uh, throw out your Twitter and your website, Andy, for everyone so they can go check out your articles. Uh, yeah, you can go to my website, uh, handyandymedia.com. I'm going to be uh, really pushing a YouTube channel. I've been working on it, Shane, for a while. So in cool. the coming weeks, I'll be pushing that. A lot of how-tos and uh, handy tips for technology and more. You know, I might even show how to make a couple of garden beds uh, this springtime. Oh, Andy's garden was overgrown like a rainforest. He was begging people to come take his vegetables. So I look forward to seeing that stuff. Uh, the garden season for 2021 will be great. You, uh, it, was, it was kale, right? You got overrun by kale, wasn't it? Yeah, kale, spinach, uh, arugula. It, yeah, all of them. I actually started growing indoors right now. So I'm getting a head start on the nice. uh, 2021 COVID gardening season. Nice. I get my tips for my pineapples from uh, from Andy, too. Thanks, Andy. Great to talk to you, brother. My pleasure, Shane. Anytime. Andy Barrar, Handy Andy Media. You know, one of the things to remember is that in, in print, there was always an editor who would decide what stories went in the paper and where they went in priority. And that was usually a pretty reasonable filter for local news. Of course, that editor could decide to leave out things that maybe shouldn't have been there. But there's been a there's been a broadcast standards council and a journalistic standards council in Canada forever. There is no standards council of training for the internet. And if there's a guy at Facebook that decides what's important for us to read and what's not important, they could squash everything about electric cars on Facebook in a day. We'd never read about electric cars again. So someone has too much control. And it's different when it's an editor in a local community and whether it's a giant corporation because they're doing it for profit. This is the Shift Podcast. It's our favorite time of night. It's all the little stories that we didn't get a chance to get to, but they all still matter. And we like to uh, we like to put them all into one little cute little package. That's the story. So I'm not talking about Ryan. He's my coworker. I can't say that. Um, it's time for In Case You Missed It. That got weird. <laughs> In case you missed it on the radio, here's Ryan Type O'Donnell. Oh, yeah. That's a typo. That's a typo. No, That's a typo. Hey, Jinx. Jinx. Thanks, That's Homer. <laughs> you love that button, don't you? Uh, it's my most used button. 
It definitely is. Sure. It 100% is. And I'm okay yeah. with that. I live up to it. And uh, I wear that badge with pride. And let me tell you, a Twitter user should be proud because she, like, literally, this lady has like a thousand followers. She posts one tweet randomly, over 500,000 likes. It's insane. And it's super funny and simple. So let's get into it. It's the tweet of the day. One of the things I love about Twitter is I often bring you funny clips and, uh, you know, it's part of a bigger story. But every now and then somebody just tweets a thought that is so brilliant and so funny, I can't help but talk about it. So this user named a Southern Penny says this on Twitter. Shane, you oh, you saying trying to say something there? No, sorry, it was oh. good. Oh, oh, it's good. Okay, yeah. That's, uh, no, we are just off air combo. Sorry, I didn't mean to distract you. We're oh, all good. oh, oh, about the news anchor segue. Yeah, of course I yeah. did. I still got those yeah. news anchor bones right in me. Yeah, Ryan. it's uh, that's me now. Okay, let me read my tweet. Damn it, you're gonna love this. <laughs> this is the tweet. Quote: My son proposed to his fiance about six months ago, and she said yes. They're super happy. We love her family too. But I just found out today that another girl is in love with him and plans to propose next week. Should I say anything? Oh, and also, he's four. They're all four. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that just so awesome? Oh, I love Young it. Love. That's, That's so cool. I, Sweet. I remember that kind of thing when I was super young, like, you know if you have the slightest crush on someone you want to get married yeah let's get married that was something that happened all the time if i ever had a crush and it was reciprocated which was not very often i was a gross little bug-eyed nerd when i was young puberty was very kind to me and i think i'm thankful for that but you know when we were young little kids that's how we did it that's it just proposal i saw the opposite of that today uh, it was a funny uh, little clip of uh, a, a boy, a little boy who's standing there and this little girl comes up, very similar, a little bit younger though, and reaches over and gives him a big hug and then gives him a kiss on the cheek, you know, that super cute moment. But then she kept kissing him over and over again and he had that look of terror as he's trying to pull his <laughs> face away. It was the Take opposite moment of the uh, let's get married moment, but still, you know, kind of the same. Yeah. But it's it's still wholesome, and I you can just picture that situation, and I'm sure that the parents are having so much fun watching that uh, happen. Um, but yeah, I love when I get a little funny tweet like that that I can share with you all, and it's cute. been a while since I've had one. And TikTok, again, today was a great day for social media, because if there is one thing that TikTok has taught me, it is that a sexy saxophone solo can be put into any song. Good morning. I'm Ryan O'Donnell with today's TikTok, TikTok, TikTok. Breakdown. Let's break it down, guys. TikTok user Evan Jacobson is a very good saxophone player. For a while now on TikTok, he's just been posting him doing some covers, you know, doing a little bit of, uh, you know, if you hear a sax solo and then he'll add on to it. But he started a new series over the weekend. Hopefully, the first of many videos, and the series is called Adding Sax Solos to Songs That Don't Need Them. And this was the first one. <laughs> 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 
shoot up the place. Why? Cause I see some ladies tonight that should be having my baby. Uh, baby. baby. <laughs> it's amazing. That's good. I think the, the lyric really makes that one. Yeah. Right? Oh. But you know what the crazy thing is? He posted over the weekend, and it got like over 5.4 million likes. It blew up. Wow. And literally, I'm not joking, as I was typing this story, he posted part two. And it is just as wonderful. It's actually not bad in this one. Really good. Um, we need more of that wow. in our lives. That's Estelle, by the way. And that song, we didn't hear much of it in Canada. It was a massive hit elsewhere in the world. And uh, Kanye helps because he's got that verse on that track, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a great, yeah, it's a great track. And that that beat, oh, it's such a good song. Kind and the of self-deprecating, mm-hmm. right? Like, like he's the sax player saying, these are the songs that don't need me. It's a little self-deprecating. It's pretty and cool. But, he, but he's convinced me that they need him. I hope he puts out a whole album of just these giant saxophone solos. Uh, I'm trying to think of like a song that I love. You know what? Throw a saxophone solo in Robot Rock, Daft Punk. Like, you Whoa. know, do some, do something like that. Have you ever seen, um, have you ever seen Kenny G in concert, like live? No, not, not live. No. It is mind-blowing it's absolutely worth it if ever there is concerts again in the world um it is so worth it to see him play live he's entertaining and he's ridiculous and saxophones are awesome and that is the end of my story it's a very cool i almost want to pick up another one i used to play it and i don't anymore i would love to get into it but now i live in an apartment and i don't want my neighbors to hate me yet uh So I don't think I have that choice yet. Um, now, sexy though, right? It is so sexy. Saxophones God, make everything sexy, like yep. everything. Yeah, I'll be keeping an eye on his account, and when the next spicy, sexy sax solos, wow, that's some alliteration right there. Yeah, uh, it would be drop... really cool. Sorry to interrupt there. It would be really no, cool, for like for sax solos that don't in songs that don't belong. If you tackled something like Slayer. Or you know oh, Judas, Judas Priest, like something just mm. real, like gut punchingly heavy. But then, what if it fit though? After that, that would be funny. He'd thing. be like, "Whoa, I had no We've idea." Invented a new genre of music, metal axe. Oh, metal axe, metal axe. <laughs> now, moving on, I've got another song, but it's from a different kind of thing. After the first pandemic special south park is returning with its second covid19 episode next month i am so excited about this okay so it comes out on march 10th it is another one hour long south park special and this one is titled the south park vaccination special and as the name suggests it will follow the south park residents trying to get vaccinated the uh, tagline for the episode is "We will be heard," like herd immunity. Get it? Nice. Spelt yeah. that way. Okay. Now, 
I really loved the first pandemic special. The, the idea behind that episode was uh, a very complex political commentary on COVID, Trump, everything going on in the world. And there were so many ridiculous plot points, whereas Randy is the cause of the whole pandemic. Everybody smoking weed to get through it. Cartman and all the kids, uh, you know, trying to survive. But the show also tackled really serious parts about Stan uh, really struggling to deal with the isolation and, you know, with the similar South Park ridiculousness. So with this episode, focusing more on the vaccines and all that, I'm looking forward to see where they take it. Uh, because this, and I, all I'm really hoping for is another musical number. Because one of the reasons that last episode was so great is the show literally started with a musical number from Eric Cartman singing the song, Social Distancing Me. And uh, he really likes COVID. And let's hear the clip. Another day inside, don't have to do a thing. I love you social distancing. No one's around, no one's talking to me. Social distancing, I'm free. Don't have to brush my teeth or shower. I can sit on the toilet for hours. Because no one's saying to me. You can't you get out Time for skew. He then proceeds to get a picture of him frozen on an iPad and hold it up to the webcam on his Zoom meeting so it looks like he's permanently frozen and then That's goes fine. downstairs and pours cheesies into a bowl and milk and has that as his breakfast. It's disgusting. Uh, it's wonderful. <laughs> That's the food. That's the breakfast. Oh. Just add butter and you get a shift show. Oh, man. Now that uh, you could start a fire with that. Some Cheetos and uh, butter and milk. That's a chemical reaction waiting to go off. <laughs> Matt just gagged. Uh, oh, yeah. Me too. Uh, this is a story I wanted to touch on. I know Sunshine Sparkle Pants touched on it yesterday, but I have some further details. And I thought I'd bring it to you if you were not listening to the show uh last night so disney plus is now warning viewers that some episodes we'll skip the first clip here matt uh, just because we've already had some context to it but the first uh, a couple of episodes of the muppets show now have content warnings on it now i know that that's kind of weird it's the muppets it's like the most one of the most beloved shows of all time but what they have done is a cultural sensitivity warning which uh, Disney has done for a couple of projects already. The Aristocrats, which has an insanely racist song in it with Siamese cats playing the drums using chopsticks. It's super not okay. Uh, very old. And uh, Dumbo as well. Now, what they've done is they put these warnings up that say, we're not going to remove it. We're going to show you what we did back then so we can spark a conversation, which I agree with. I do not think you should remove the content unless it is truly something horrific. And so I'm glad that the warnings are there. But what are the warnings on the Muppets? That's what I was wondering. So I found out. So the first one uh, is an episode hosted by Johnny Cash. Now, in that episode, he performs a song in front of the U.S. flag and the Confederate battle flag. Oh. So those two, so a warning about that. And the other one, it features a folk star named uh, Juan 
Baez, I believe. I'm not familiar with him. Oh, the, the Joan Baez, the uh, the folk Joan singer. Baez. Yes, th- thank you, Matt. Uh, doing a Indian accent while opening an episode with Kenny Rogers dressed, and uh, the Muppets are dressed in like Arab garb, drilling for oil. So, you know, wow, I get it. Now, the warning says that rather than removing the episodes, Disney wants to acknowledge their harmful impact, learn from it, and spark conversation. Okay, uh, I, it, I, I agree throwing it there i mean i understand why disney is doing it it covers their butts and i i like the idea of spawning a conversation but what i would have been heartbroken if uh, by is if they had completely removed the episodes or removed the show this is a show that i grew up with and taught me so much about creativity and it's amazing puppet work and all that so it's it's worth noting and the muppets are amazing made some mistakes in the past Mostly, I'd say 99.99%. Everything they do is wonderful. And I know we don't have the full time to play this clip, but even a little bit, if you've never heard this before, the Muppets covered Bohemian Rhapsody, and it is truly wonderful. So this is what it sounds like. I see a little silhouette of a clam. Scaramouche, scaramouche, will you do the fandango? It's so great. And then at the end, it's funny. Kermit's like, remind me to never do these Zoom calls again or these video calls again. They're very unproductive. It's great. (laughs) It's pretty good, Kermit. (laughs) Thank you. Why are there so many songs about rainbows? Thanks for listening to The Shift Podcast. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review the show and share with anyone you like. Get it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and CuriousCast.ca.